Welcome to The Roundup, a North Queensland-based podcast with regional content for regional clinicians. I'm Alyssa Hathaway, a GP and family planning clinician and head of JCU's clinical school here in Mackay. This collaborative podcasting project between North Queensland Regional Training Hubs, JCU, and our local regional hospital and health services will bring you a different regionally relevant podcast each fortnight. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands where we meet today, who were the original providers of healthcare in this region. In today's episode, I'm talking about residential aged care facilities, or RACFs, with Dr. Chris Delmaschuk, who is a GP, a practice owner in Townsville, and who has held lots of other positions in medical education, general practice support, and those sorts of positions over the last few years. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much, Alyssa. I appreciate you inviting me onto the podcast to chat about RACFs. I know you have a particular passion for aged care. Can you give us an idea of where that started from? Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's a very uh, odd background in, in that I never thought I'd end up in aged care. Um, you know, when I first started uh, as a GP, I sat in a big practice with some um, other doctors who had uh, residents in RACFs, and I sort of had to take over that role uh, when, when one or two of them stepped away. And it was the usual story, scattered uh, patients, uh, very hard to maintain those patients, to get to see them on a regular basis. And I really didn't like it. What happened was about five years ago, a RACF opened up basically two blocks away from our practice. They asked us as a practice to take it on. Uh, So five of us sort of put up our hands and we created a little uh, like a system that made RACF work a lot easier, a lot more enjoyable. Uh, and I've been trying to figure out how we can take our little system we have here at North Shore and Townsville and, um, I guess, expand it, you know, within the region or help other people um, in, into this space in the future. So, yeah, it was something I never intended on doing, but one of those things that you, I sort of just fell into. It's an incredibly important part of our work as general practitioners in North Queensland, isn't it? So for a group of people in our community who are generally underserved or poorly served by medical practitioners, and it can be super daunting when you're first starting in general practice because you don't really know what you're doing. We have a few tips and tricks uh, for troubleshooting RACF work. Can you take us through some of the things you've learned about prescribing, please, Chris? Yeah, I, I guess uh, prescribing is, is listed as one of the biggest issues when, with an RSCF. It's, it's a quite a messy scenario, the way it's routinely done, in that you you have to uh, chart at the medicate, sorry, chart on a medication chart at the RACF, which that's, then gets translated into their software for dispensing. It's sent to the pharmacy for for them to to dispense it back to the um, RACF and then we have to chart it in our own medical software so it's quite messy and there's a a huge um, range of of, uh, areas that you can make mistakes you know from a prescriber standpoint from a dispensing standpoint so I think the way it's currently set up is is quite difficult. Uh, I have had some more recent experience uh, with the um, electronic uh, national residential medication charting um, system so this is relatively new, being rolled out in the last one or two years, where uh, 
basically it's an online um, medication charting which acts as the prescription and the dispensing um, software. So it basically gets entered once. Uh, the, the nurses get notified straight away. They can dispense from the software and the, the pharmacy gets uh, notified straight away so they can send the medications to the RSCF. So this is taking basically the biggest bugbear of GPs within the RSCF space and creating a, a really excellent solution. Unfortunately, it's not the solution that the RACF that we, we mainly support uses. They still use the old system and we're still okay. running into a lot of problems there, but um, I've got uh, a few patients elsewhere that uh, use this system and it's been been a godsend. It's been amazing being able to, to treat these patients both on site and um, you know remotely. If, if I go into a RACF and you know, I want to chart something for a patient down the road. You know, I've got to find a nurse to find the medication chart to, to get this done. And then, you know, all the other issues I mentioned uh, previously come into play. Whereas I'll be sitting with a patient at, at one of these uh, RACFs with the electronic charting and I'll be able to, to log onto my phone and chart the medication. And, you know, a minute later, a nurse will pop her head in saying, oh, see, you've changed the medications. Like it's, it's amazing. That sounds brilliant. So making a really or finding a really simple solution to a really big problem that we've all faced with RACFs. So that brings me on to my next thought about information gathering, where a lot of our practice-based records are electronic, but then in the RACFs, it tends to be paper-based. What are some of the solutions that you found to um, that information collecting, that chart uh, record keeping? Yes. Uh, again, I think it, you know, different RACFs do a, a lot of things differently. And thankfully, there's only a handful of RACFs that, that are really continuing with the paper-based um, charting. Uh, so, so most of them have their own electronic charts now, uh, which makes a big difference, particularly if you can get remote access to them. So our, our system is set up so that we've got remote access to both our um, medical software at work and also uh, the RACF uh, medication charting. So right. basically, it's one one it's a one entry, then copy and paste pro, uh, process into the uh, opposite chart, um, which makes it a lot easier. Also, again, when you're looking at after hours, uh, it's it's quite easy to gather information when you've got easy access and basically two different places. I can see uh, what the GPs have done recently on our medication charting, and alternatively, I can see what sort of care. I can have a look at the OBS and whatnot that the nursing home staff have done um, remotely logging into their software. So instead of having to, to chase someone down for the, the right information, uh, you can easily access it from, from a laptop or um, computer in the nursing home. That's incredible, isn't it? Just to improve that access, really um, reducing the barriers to communication that we've all experienced. So you can really, from your consulting room at your practice monitor how a patient might be going and in real time make some changes to their medication or their cares absolutely and look this still relies on the rscf staff and and getting that information into the software so it's not always a still an easy process and you know there's still a lot of limitations within the rscfs themselves with staffing and an agency staffing and that type of thing so so not there's not always the information there but it's certainly a lot better than flying blind sure so what are the other things that you found have worked well in terms of improving that communication between your gps 
the patient's family and the staff in the RACFs? Yeah, so, so I guess communication is key in any relationship. And that's one thing that's, that's obviously been very pronounced with what we've been doing. Uh, a lot of it is uh, setting the expectations on the delivery of the information. So, you know, different doctors or GPs prefer different lines of communication. So we find that a lot of the, the older GPs prefer that phone call, no matter what time of night it is. Sure. Whereas the newer GPs prefer an electronic uh, method of uh, communication, and that might be emailing. Um, and, and, you know, I guess the younger GPs are much more likely to be checking their emails pretty regularly than the older GPs. So I think it's, it's almost indiv individualising the process based on the GPs you've got. Uh, and making sure that the um, nursing staff at the, the RACF know how to contact. Now, again, that's not always easy with, with the turnover of staff and the agency staff because uh, they might not always know how to access a GP. But, you know, you try and let the cl clinical managers know. You try and put signs up around the, the RACFs about the best forms of contact to allow that to happen. Great. So all of those streamlining processes with your electronic medical record, getting that information shared between yourself and your practice easily in a timely fashion with remote access to the software um, and those better communication processes, that all helps to make it a much more efficient um, clinical consultation uh, with the RACF. So that's certainly going to improve the bang for the buck, isn't it? How have you Absolutely. found the integration um, with the RACFs? I know the item numbers changed a couple of years ago. Are you finding yes. it cost effective now? Is it worth your while? Because that money is really a deterrent to a lot of doctors, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I know from, from some of the research that I've been doing, you know, the money is a big detractor. We find that a lot of GPs uh, who aren't in the RACF space aren't aware of the earning power they have uh, within RACFs. And we also find that the ones that are in the RACF space don't utilise the item numbers that actually make it beneficial for their remuneration. So the use of care plans, uh, CMAs, um, uh, care plan reviews, uh, medication reviews, and to healthcare plans, they don't often get utilised. Like it's estimated that, that you know, less than 50% of those item numbers are utilised. Wow. Uh, so, so if, you, if you set up like you do in a GP practice where you might have a nurse that helps you um, formulate the care plans and, and spend a bit of time uh, with the collection of data and whatnot, uh, you can actually streamline that as well. So you can make use of those item numbers. And obviously you need someone keeping an eye on when these item numbers are due and the care plans are due and the medication yeah. reviews are due. Uh, yeah. So this is all things that can help. Uh, now, the other, I guess, benefit as well is the uh, PIP or SIP money, uh, which can be up to $10,000. Now, now, our GPs hit that, um, the patient requirement, which is up to 180 uh, visits uh, by the end of, December. So in less than six months, we, we get our full um, $10,000 extra. And I think a lot of people forget about that there is some extra incentive to do this work. Um, so look, I've, I've worked it out that, you know, you can earn close to, you know, probably 75 to 100% of your regular uh, GP clinic billings by doing the RCF work, but making the most of the item numbers that are available to you. So it's about, again, streamlining that process and setting it up to make it easy so you're not having to, to think too hard, you're not having to, to rush around after a, a rounds, acute needs rounds, and, and trying to get 
some extra paperwork done so that you can um, access these item numbers. When, you, when you've got it streamlined, you've got people helping you out, it makes it a lot easier. Right, so being organised, being well set up and making the most of those item numbers, pips and sips that are available to us will mean yep. that we could even make it our full-time job, I suppose, and not see yeah, patients absolutely. in our clinic. Right. And, and look, there are people out there that, that do do this. Like there, there's yeah. a couple of organisations uh, that, that do purely RSCF, the telehealth stuff, and they've got it set up and streamlined so that they can do it. Sure. So mentioning telehealth then, Chris, uh, time management has been made so much easier with the availability of telehealth billing now. How do you use telehealth in your practice and what other strategies do you have to improve your time management? Look, to be honest, we don't utilise uh, telehealth much in our practice because of mm-hmm. our setup prior to COVID. We just continued that. So having regular visits to the RSCFs, there's usually a GP there at least three days of the week. Uh, right. So we don't really need to use uh, digital health, although it is something I'd like to explore a bit more and maybe do, you know, uh, fortnightly face-to-face visits and fortnightly telehealth for acute needs. I think that's there's definitely, um, you know, merit in having a setup like that. And there are other organisations that are more purely, um, you know, towards telehealth. So I think there's a big space to improve efficiency there. I think the limitation so far with this type of setup is basically within the RSCF, again, having the staff there to be able to deliver telehealth to patients and also the digital infrastructure, just having, you know, Wi-Fi or uh, adequate um, connectivity for for things to function uh, to do the telehealth. So, So those are the limiting factors at the moment. But I know that there's a lot of uh, background work being done to help improve those things uh, in the near future. Okay. So then understanding some of those limitations that we've talked about with connectivity, with accessing the electronic medical record or electronic prescribing record and that communication with staffing within practices, Mm -hmm. how do you and your colleagues manage your on-call and after-hours sort of work to make it fit with in your practice with your families and with all of your other commitments mm-hmm. yeah i guess after hours is another one of the uh, the biggest stresses for, for gps in this space i think with our setup it does limit the amount of after hours so the nursing staff are aware there is going to be a gp on site at least three days a week they're less likely to, to call for um, the minor things uh, and right. really only call if there's uh, a major issue, if there's a question about going to hospital. Um, and in Townsville, again, that's helped by having a, a frailty team. So a team based out of the hospital uh, who can, you know, provide that uh, pre-hospital care or hospital avoidance care. Um, yeah. so, so we're sort of backed up by that as well. I mean, we do get the occasional after hours call, but I, I can't think of many times in the last five years where I've been called at a, in hospitable time, like between the, the hours of 10 and 6, so probably, you know, maybe once or twice in the past five years with their setup the way it's been. Again, I think there needs to be more done in the area to help GPs, particularly in other centres as well. Uh, and again, that's something that's being looked at in the background is, is, you know, how do we convert, I guess, the deputising services that GPs use now in their normal day-to-day work into yeah. something that can assist the RACFs as well because it isn't something that's really been streamlined. Um, 
I do know that a lot of doctors still prefer to do their after hours as well, particularly the older generation. But I think for the younger generations coming through, there needs to be some sort of deputising service that, that hopefully can link in with the GPs uh, that provide the care to the RACF so that there is a bit of a flow of information. Um, you don't really want to fragment the care. You want to connect the care. So that's, that's the sort of thing you need to try and work on going forward. Fantastic. Chris, look, thanks so much for talking to us. It's been really interesting to hear how you and your colleagues in your practice manage your local RACF. I just wonder, we've talked about how you guys make your RACF work more appropriate for you guys, but what about the flip side? What are the what are the patients, what are the, um, the residents of the RACF think? What did the management and nursing staff of the RACF think? I imagine that you've been keeping in close contact with them to make sure their needs are being met as well. That's right. I mean, we're, we're very patient-focused uh, care practice to start with, and that sort of spills over into our RACF work. The feedback we get is very good uh, from, from the patients, and I think they really appreciate the care uh, that they receive, um, you know, they've got access to a GP more than just about anyone else in the towns or region, really. But, you know, getting in contact with the families is always difficult. Uh, often the, the working families, they don't have a lot of time to um, designate during the day when we're there to be around. So there is a little bit of uh, contact sort of after hours or not with the patients around that, that needs to be done. The relationship with the RACF is good. We've always had a good relationship with the managers, but it's a real struggle from their end, trying to get the support they need, trying to get the staff they need. Yeah. Uh, in the end, they rely a lot on us to deliver the medica- medical care. Yep. There's one, uh, I guess, worry about the way we th- do things. It, it might be over-servicing and, um, you know, not empowering the nursing staff at the nursing home to, to make those key decisions on their own right. um, ultimately we'd like to to have a, a working um, relationship where you know we're confident in the decisions being made and you know we can empower the nurses there to to do what they need to do without needing air input uh, and that's something we'd like to work on but again the limitations there have been within the the, the huge turnover of nursing staff and, and having agency staff so we tend to develop these relationships with management there and then you know within a few months or a year you know it's different management again so we're going to start from scratch Uh, so it's less than ideal in that regard but um, you know like I said overall the relationship's good we just need to to be able to to work on on what they can do on their end really and and um, give the accountability and the empowerment like we were talking about uh, to the staff there. Right. Oh, look, Dr. Chris Delmas-Chuck, thank you so much for spending time talking about RACFs today and troubleshooting all of those issues that we come home with from our visits around prescribing, keeping our information and charts up to date, how we're communicating with the staff, with the residents, with our colleagues, how to better remunerate ourselves for our time, making best use of that time and then how we're managing that after hours space. Thank you again. You're welcome. And I just want to say, I know it sounds very scary, but like I said, in my own personal situation, I went from something I never think I'd do to something I I really love. So I think there's hope for people out there. Uh, They just got to, you know, dip their toes in and, and get the right experience, not the bad experience. There's lots of good experience out there. So 
if anyone wants to ever get in contact with me, I'm happy to have a chat to them about um, how they can set things up. What a great message to finish with. Thanks so much, Chris. No problem. Thanks for having me, Alyssa. For more information about The Roundup or to share your feedback and ideas for future episodes, visit nqrth.edu.au forward slash roundup hyphen podcast or contact us at nqrth.mackay at jcu.edu.au. We also want to advise that the views and opinions presented in this podcast are those of the speaker only and do not represent the views and opinions of James Cook University, Northern Queensland Regional Training Hubs or Queensland Health. The content supplied in this podcast is not intended as medical advice and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Northern Queensland Regional Training Hubs is an initiative of the Australian Government's Integrated Rural Training Pipeline and is facilitated by James Cook University in partnership with public and private hospitals, Queensland Aboriginal and Islander Health Council, Health Services, Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisations and General Practice Clinics.